The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Hi, and welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. On today's show, I've got two really special people. And uh, if you'd heard the pre of this show, you'd probably not think that the way we've been talking to each other, but we'll ex- probably explain that during the show. Anyway, uh, Ed Gray is Director of Partnering Programs and Accessibility for Avid. And as a blind user himself, he has played a key role in driving accessibility into Pro Tools, Sibelius, and Avid's website and other programs. He's a money-losing musician, those are his words, not mine, uh, <laughs> who plays keyboards, drums, and tuba, and is the lead singer of the Model Citizens who play Devo, Talking Heads and Ramones covers in San Francisco. A 25-year veteran of DigiDesign and Avid, Ed also leads the Audio Developer Program. Ed lives in Half Moon Bay, California, and has a wife and a son who is destined to make a better living with his drumming and guitar playing than Ed did. Uh, all Ed's words, may I say. Uh, all around great guy after all of that. Anyway, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're a great guy too. Thank you. Slough Hallettin is a recording engineer, producer, and studio owner in New York City. His studio, B-Sharp, specializes in jazz, classical, and musical theater recordings, as well as rock and pop with projects ranging from singer-songwriter to full orchestra. Slough has recorded mixed and mastered records for multiple Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony-winning artists for musicals such as Avenue Q, Book of Mormon, Cats, Hello Dolly, and Hamilton, as well as members of Steely Dan, King Crimson, The Smithereens, James Taylor, Hall & Oates, Chris, Christy McBride, Rufus Reed, Cassandra Wilson, and the Winter Marsalis Band. As a blind producer, Slough has worked closely with Avid since 2006 to help make products like Pro Tools and Sibelius accessible to other blind and visually impaired engineers and musicians. Slough, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited because this is like the only podcast where I could say fecking and people would know what I was talking about. Yes. Uh, yes, you could. Uh, if, and in <laughs> Ireland, obviously, that means something completely different. <laughs> I've said that a couple of times before the podcast, but I won't say it now. Uh, I will tell everybody that we've had, we've had, a, te- we've had a difficult technical time uh, pre the show, uh, but... Uh, but we're here now, so we're going to get on with this. And mostly because I failed at the first hurdle uh, with accessibility help. So uh, th- th- there's a lesson for me. But there we go. Anyway, first, Slough, tell me, how did you get into making music? Um, you know, I, st- I started out just like uh, like most people, just playing in, you know, bands, you know, garage bands. Uh, it sort of graduated to wedding bands. Uh, and uh, before I knew it, I was I was in a band that wanted to record demo, uh, uh, you know, some demo songs and uh, went into a studio in Brooklyn. And uh, just the whole experience was like it made such an impression upon me uh and uh you know the the whole musical thing uh the the, the music career uh, uh never sort of amounted to anything <laughs> but the recording aspect did so you kind of felt that behind the glass was more where you wanted to be yeah that's just i mean you know you know how it it ends up being with so many people as well you know you 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 get into it because you want to record your own material and you're excited and before you know it you're recording your friends and then friends of friends and then before you know it strangers are calling and it just it just was a natural progression in that sense right and ed what about you bad tuba guitar or whatever you said you were not very good yeah at. so i mean so that how did you get into it? I, it is accurate to say i played many instruments badly i've never gotten any 
awards for virtuosity for any one instrument. I, I grew up um, with a lot of musical uh, instruments around me. My grandfather was an orchestra leader and a card carrying uh, union musician in New York City. His wife is still living at age 102 in Florida. Wow. And, um, and um, so, so I've, I've, uh, I was in the, you know, the glee club and sang madrigals in the core. I did a lot of singing. I played in the orchestra and was always surrounded by a bunch of different musical instruments that I picked and choose, uh, chose from and was in bands through, through uh, college and then, and then in, in business school. We had a band, the Model Citizens, and I went went from I was a uh, the lead singer for that band. So was it was it that kind of interest that got you into to working with digital design as it was then? Was it was that kind of yeah. your dream job for you? Yeah, I was thinking. So so um, um, I was uh, I graduated business school. I worked for um, IDG Books. They made the dummy yeah. books, and I worked there for the proverbial eighty nine day probation period and was fired in 1995. And then um, DigiDesign uh, picked me up off the curb. I've been working there for, for uh, uh, more than 25 years. And so um, it's an interesting question. I joined as a musician, but didn't have much experience with digital audio production. I, I composed on a synclavier at Dartmouth oh, yeah. when I went to school, but didn't have uh, much uh, experience with mixing and mastering. And it was a uh, it was a problem um, that I, I, I kind of came to the company without that street cred, and I had to learn that quickly. Uh, but uh, the company, after all, is, um, is uh, you know, we, we are swimming in musicians and engineers all the time. My first day at work, um, the head of the, uh, the lead singer from up, oh, there goes my accessibility, my voiceover, the, the lead singer from a flock of seagulls called, and um, you know, I'm like, holy shit, flock of seagulls. And he was calling because he was, uh, hope he's not listening to this. He was out of money and uh, wanted to borrow an audio media two card to make a record. <laughs> so, And of course you said yes. Uh, okay. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> they had wild haircuts. They got they $399. Probably, go yeah, buy one. He probably spent all his money on hairspray. Do you remember their hairstyles in the flock of seagulls? Absolutely. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was what uh, made me recognize them instantly but um so slack- yeah, there, were, there were always a lot of uh, uh musicians that really make money going through our buildings all the time so um and sometimes you recognize them sometimes you know so i was going into a studio carrying some boxes and i'm like excuse me uh, mister and uh, he walked out of the way that was herbie hancock <laughs> all right uh, you know so but we, we always we always get to meet a lot of famous musicians and engineers coming through our doors like slough <laughs> Slough, talk about uh because obviously the show is about disability and accessibility in, in music making. Mm-hmm. Talk about your own personal challenges. Uh were they from birth or did they develop over time? Uh for me it was over time. Uh I was sighted uh and then started ha- you know, started uh noticing problems with my vision. Um and by the time I was uh attending college for audio uh you know, recording uh, technology. Uh, I was I was already legally blind, uh, but I still did have some vision. So, in other words, if I, uh, I mean, if I if I looked at a VU meter and I was taking 
you know, drum levels or something like that. I would just keep an eye on that peak light, you know, and that was like a point of light that would flash, you know, and so I could, I could see that enough uh, to, to be able to get by. Plus, you know, working with tape back in, in those days, um, I mean, if I, if I really needed to know how something was going to turn out, I just, you know, uh, it's just roll tape and then monitor off the playhead, you know, off the playback head. And then, you know, if something was distorting uh, too much, I'd roll back the, the preamps and stuff like that. So there were workarounds. Um, so in a sense, you were kind of busking accessibility on the fly in the early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, the, the, the challenge really happened i mean you know back then of course i was working on on large format consoles and stuff and so everything was very tactile uh you know you you could tell how far a knob was turned up or you i mean a lot of it you certainly did by ear i didn't eq by looking at any numbers like like a lot of engineers i just used my ears um but everything was so very tactile uh, the, the big challenge was when things went over, uh, into the digital world and, uh, starting to use, uh, you know, uh, computer-based, uh, recording solutions. Uh, that's when, you know, things were no longer tactile. Um, and so that's when I sort of got involved with, um, uh, at the accessibility of uh, software programs. Uh, I started off with Digital Performer, which actually uh, at that time with the screen reader that was uh, uh, used on that particular Mac OS, uh, still like Mac OS 7, 8, 9, like those, those uh, versions, um, the screen reader worked pretty well with it. Uh, and then I got into Pro Tools when I was in college and... Uh, at a certain point, it came time to trans uh, well make a transition from uh, tape to uh, Pro Tools in the studio, and that's where uh, you know really I, I started spending a lot of time and energy, sort of making sure that uh, whatever needed to be done to make elements um, identifiable to the screen reader uh, could be done. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you encounter things on screen um, that are just are just seen as unknown or they're purely invisible. Uh, and that's where you have to sort of take take a step back and speak with the the developers of these programs and you know and say, hey look, that that pop-up button right there, could you, you know, can you identify that as a pop-up button so that the screen reader encounters it and knows what the default action is? Uh, it's a lot of stuff like that. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suite is included with all Audio Fuse audio interfaces. Visit Autoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. So, Ed, Ed your, your journey in terms of uh, disability, yeah, what was um, your, what and, was your by story? By the way, I mean, as far as Pro Tools and accessibility, if, if the app, if the app lives to be 150 years old, Slough gets the lion's share of the credit and appreciation for getting his foot in the door and, and kind of getting us interested in accessibility and um, prioritizing our work um, for years. Um, so, so um, 
So Slough is a, a, a hero, a key, key resource for Avid. Now, as far as me and, and, uh, and, and accessibility and disability, I, I have, di- I have had diabetes for 36 years now. And in about 2009, I was having uh, trouble, you know, getting my TDM cable plugged in to the SCSI cable in back of my 888 or whatever. Um, and, and, um, had more and more trouble seeing the screen. And so, um, and th- this was uh, diabetic retinopathy. So it's a diabetic complication I had. And like a lot of people who make this gradual progress with loss of eyesight, I tried making the screen bigger. I tried increasing the contrast. I tried reversing the colors. And then, you know, after a while, it it becomes you know, but it's, it's like pissing on a burning building and you've got to use the voiceover as a way to get at uh, controls and, and so on. So a lot, I, th- I think a lot of blind people go, go through that progress where you try harder and harder to see things and press your nose against the screen. And then after a few hours of working like that, not only your, do your eyes hurt, but your, your brain hurts and you start like you, you leave the screen and you see the letters and your field of vision and um, and so so when you start using voiceover, just speaking for myself, you feel so much better. And um, so so at, at Avid, it's been a matter of of using Mac OS voiceover and increasing the voiceover support for the different controls and dialogues and faders. And it's uh, it's not not as obvious or or simple a task. We have to prioritize it and then work with with visually impaired and sighted users to uh, make sure that all this stuff works logically. Uh, Slow, you kind of answered this earlier on in your question, but let's just expand on this a bit. Has technology made dealing with the challenges easier or harder, or is it a bit of one step forward, two steps back kind of thing? Well, without without uh, voiceover support, Pro Tools would be inaccessible to visually impaired users. Uh, and remember that it's not just the blind guy show. We, we have to think about how People with, um, uh, you know, kind of motor and cognitive disabilities use it um, uh, to, to some extent. Uh, how hearing impaired people? You want people to be able to, to uh, you know, read uh, read narrations and things. And it's the same thing. The flip side of this is with Media Composer, our video production application. You, um, uh, there are people with low vision like me. So I have I have some useful vision and. You want to be able to uh, kind of press your nose against the screen and do some simple video production. Uh, so, so, uh, with, so voiceover support is the key. It cha- it changes. So, so we had voiceover. We had uh, kind of rudimentary voiceover support in Pro Tools uh, through Pro Tools nine. Slough, correct me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. And then it just kind of we changed the changed the OS and changed the version of Pro Tools and everything came unhitched, just broke. And so we had to uh, redo it. So uh, supporting accessibility and apps is a, it's, you, you, it can't just be this spasm of work because some blind person is interested in it. It's got to be an ongoing uh, development and maintenance effort. It's probably like painting the Brooklyn Bridge, isn't it? You're always doing it. It's that kind of <laughs> approach yeah, to it. It's, for it's sure. Little and often. Slough, coming back to you on that question, you you kind of alluded to that, like when you went from from tactile stuff to to screens and stuff, it really changed the game a bit. Do you do you think that there's a there's been gains and losses by going over to like digital stuff, Slough? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think that some things became a lot easier, some things became more difficult. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's such a vast uh, sort of subject area because it's it's a whole ecosystem, it's a whole environment. So, uh, you know, things like, uh, oh, you know, I don't know, uh, just to give a, a quick example, you know, like a, a, a main counter, you know, like the timeline. I mean... Back in the day, on a tape machine, uh, you know, for, for for a while, I could read the you know red LED counter on on a display, you know, uh, the, the tape counter. Um, but then that got more and more difficult. At a certain point, I just gave up. I mean, I would just you know use a memory location, and I just knew that would take me to the beginning of the song. Otherwise, I'd I'd take a lucky guess, and you know, and that's just how I dealt with it. Well, you know, when you go over to the digital world. Um, now suddenly you have an exact rep you know, representation, you know exactly where you are and you can get to exactly where you need to be by pressing whatever asterisk and then entering a number on a numpad. So like some things like that got a lot easier, but then back in the day, uh, levels, um, you know, <clears throat> no longer could you <laughs> put that machine in in you know yeah, you couldn't playback. The, you couldn't hit then, the red meter, could you? you know, and stuff like that, and, and get a sense of what your levels were really uh, reaching. And uh, back then, level indicators weren't accessible. Eventually, they did become accessible, and so that got a lot easier and stuff. So, it really was a, a such a combination of certain things becoming easier, certain things becoming more difficult. Um, at this point, you know, look, we, we're in a better situation than we ever have been in the past. Uh, we, ha we have some new challenges and we, we can uh, address those. Uh, uh, we could get to those eventually. But, um, you know, it really is a mixed bag, uh, I'd say, all but, the time. But it would seem, though, ironically, that one of the things you talked about earlier was that you said you had to use your ears. Well, surely that's what most people should be doing anyway, whether they're sighted or not, is that there's so many engineers now mixing by numbers, aren't there, with plugins and stuff, or they're going, oh, but, but, but 3dB here, rather than sitting down and hearing what happens to that EQ. Surely, surely, in a sense, shouldn't we all be mixing right. with our ears? Yeah, well, so the thing, uh, you know, and since you mentioned plugins, uh, you know, that's that's a good example. Um, I mean, uh, like I said, back in the day, I, I'd be using a large format console. I use a control surface now. And so I do have access to, let's say, encoder knobs or f faders in fader flip mode. And I'm still using my ears. Um, but some users are, you know, maybe they can't afford a control surface or that they haven't got, you know, they, they don't have one or they don't have access to one at the moment. And they need to access things differently. And, you know, a sighted user looks at an EQ knob. They just hover the mouse above it, click, you know, move up or down, whatever. And, and they're still working by ear. But a blind user can't. To grab that mouse and hover it over that knob within a matter of one second. You know what I mean? Like they have to actually make sure they're in the plug-in window. They have to uh, navigate to the area where the controls are. They have to navigate to that specific control. They have to interact with it. Then they have to, you know, issue keyboard commands and stuff. So it's a lot more tedious. So it, it becomes not just using your ears, but a lot of navigating and a lot of interacting. And so it's, there are so many more hurdles to, you know, to get by. Um, 
and not to mention also just simply things like um, some controls uh, that plugin developers uh, use are are custom controls and they're not automatable parameters. And so that poses a challenge for blind users right now. Um, this, I believe, is is going to be changing very soon because of um, some you know new developments with the Juice platform, which a lot of audio developers use. Um, they just uh, introduced a new beta uh, for Juice, which includes accessibility support out of the box. So if a plugin developer creates a plugin now using Juice, um, if they make a checkbox or a, you know a pop-up menu, screen readers will just see that as a, as a checkbox or a pop-up button which is a huge development. Um, and I think that we're going to see a lot better accessibility uh, on the plug-in front. And let's face it, that's what so many people are focused on. Yeah. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. I was just going to say, I, I've experienced Pro Tools both as a you know a fully sighted and a declining eyesight and then a, a, a legally blind user. And I just know it's, it's, um, it's a rich interface um, it's it's a lot of repeated modules and things, but th there's a there's a lot going on in terms of faders and buttons and counters and stuff like that. So you want so the the goal of accessibility is to be to you know to give the user a fighting chance of this knowing what's on the screen, what plugins are are activated and and which tracks are soloed and, and muted. Um, there's a there's a utility that Slough has worked on with Chi Kim of Berkeley College of Music called Flow Tools, which kind of describes this, that describes the uh, Pro Tools project and which tracks are muted and which are soloed and okay. what's on this track and which plugins. And so, so that's, I think that's what uh, Slough is getting at is you have to know where everything is um, as a way to, to effectively take advantage of all the controls and, and begin working and um, and all that stuff is uh, is uh, in in place till it ain't, you know. So you know, <laughs> if we we if we um, if Avid uh, Avid could have a testing miss where we have a new version of Pro Tools and all of a sudden you know the cursor instead of going to this plugin window might return to the upper left of the screen or something like that. So you, so it's a that's that's why the testing and maintenance is important and why accessibility has to be a, a first class citizen in in um in in product development and not an afterthought it's got to be tested with each version of pro tools ed i was going to ask you because obviously you you have worked both as a sighted user and 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 a blind user in pro tools it must be enormously tiring working in 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 the in, in with an accessibility workflow compared to people who just take for granted they're flying. So I'm guessing you you can't mix as long or you, it takes longer because because everything takes longer. I'm guessing. Well, you can mix and work longer if you're willing to um, to kind of 
release the visual part of it with love and start working with voiceover. You know, that's because <laughs> um, because because you know I am not kidding. I would work with Pro Tools or or Microsoft Word or something as my eyesight was declining. And then, you know, I'd work for two hours and I'd be like, I can't take it anymore. And I, I would lie down and then letters would race across my field of vision with my eyes closed mm. with the same font and same color. So like, you know, Garamond font in Windows. And, and, uh, and you know, so, so that meant that, um, you know, my brain was still working. It was trying to do the things that the brain does in order to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was very, very exhausting. So if you, uh, if you, uh, release, if you give yourself up to the, uh, voiceover gods, things can <laughs> get a lot easier. And then it, but then it takes a longer time to kind of tab around and navigate around. Um, so you, you gotta want it. Um, you mentioned and, control um, surfaces. There are very few people like Slough out there in the world. I mean, that you can, but, but Slough is a, is a is a, 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 a you know a fully blind user using Pro Tools independently without sighted assistance on an HDX system to make records. So we know that with with uh, effort and practice that it's doable. Uh, I was going to say, obviously, we talk so far about software, but I'm guessing control surfaces, they are, especially Yukon, I'm guessing, that people, Yukon is such a, a, a such a standardized format that I'm guessing that that can be helpful for you. Yeah, Slayer? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, control surfaces in general, certainly, yeah, to, to be able to, you know, tactily uh, just grab a fader or an, uh, an encoder knob, whatever, is... is uh, to me, there's no substitute. I, I couldn't mix, uh, you know, and, and record without it. Uh, it would be a lot more difficult. Um, and, you know, there, there are the challenges also, though, with, uh, I mean, let's say Yukon. Uh, right, right now, I'm, I'm still using a C24. Uh, but I know that that day is approaching where I'm going to have to change. Um, and apart from just kind of trying to decide where I'm going to fall in the sort of the, 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 the line, the product line, um, I do know that, you know, some of those uh, surfaces have a touchscreen and they are not accessible. Um, now, I do know that, you know, there is the, uh, what is, uh, I forget what the app is called on the iPad. Uh, is it simply Control? Right, control app. Um, you know, right now that app is not accessible yet, but I'm confident that it will be accessible at some point. Um, uh, you know, and and so I know that there will be uh, a, a transition period. There will be some workarounds that'll that'll need to be put in place. But uh, you know, I think that with with anything regarding accessibility and and whatever software you're using. Um, as a blind user, you, you just have to work smarter and be more efficient. And so I- instead of kind of setting a particular control and just thinking, oh, well, I'll come back to that. No, you don't do that. You set it, you do it once, you commit to it, and you move on so that you don't have to navigate back to whatever particular control it is. Um, y- you definitely learn how to work a little bit differently. Uh, yeah. Islam brings up an important point, which is that with accessibility, we um, we wish we could do everything, but it's like it's all features of Pro Tools. Sometimes the feature, uh, the concept comes up and you don't see it in a release 
versus Pro Tools for years. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's true of almost every mixing and editing feature. Um, and so, um, so it, it it's um, uh, for example, our our Pro Tools accessibility is delivered through Mac OS, and we're working on Windows and in touch with Microsoft about Windows. But right now, if someone called with a Windows laptop and wanted to use Pro Tools, unfortunately, our guidance would be for them to get a Mac. Uh, um, and so. Um, and, and and so on with a lot of a lot of accessibility features and compatibility. So it's prioritized um, just uh, you know both within accessibility features and 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 uh, and in competition with other things we're trying to to do with Pro Tools. But let's be honest: if you were sighted or unsighted, my advice would be to get a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. so uh, do you know um, what I mean? Anyway, joking apart, though. But uh, do you think software and hardware designers consider the needs of those with disabilities when designing products, Slayer? Um, I think you know, very few developers and designers consider it up front. Uh, some get lucky in that the tools that they use to create their uh, programs like if they're using Apple tools, for example, and they're using Xcode, um, the accessibility is just like it's just kind of built in, and hopefully now that'll be the case with Juice moving forward. Um, but to retrofit something is always more difficult. I, I, I like to use the example of you know an elevator. If you build a house and then you decide I need an elevator smack in the middle of this house. It's extremely complicated and extremely expensive to suddenly build, you know, after the fact. But if you've planned it all along, uh, it's a fraction of that time and cost. And I think it's it's kind of the same with uh, software development. But I, yeah, but it takes it takes it really it takes a team of. Um, of uh, of uh, developers and testers, uh, customer support people to give you feedback from customers, and and then the testers need to include blind or otherwise disabled testers. You don't want a bunch of empathetic sighted people prioritizing <laughs> right. the accessibility features. You want to well, they wouldn't have a clue. Would they? I wouldn't in, have it. I wouldn't have a trenches. clue. I wouldn't have a clue what to, what to say if I, I was on a beta team for those with special needs uh, that need to to. But I'm guessing that like there's plugins and stuff that are like because uh, there's a whole trend towards skeuomorphic design. I'm guessing that must be a nightmare for those with 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 sight issues because you've got lots of knobs that pretend to be real knobs that you've got to find and scroll around and stuff with a mouse and that. I'm guessing all of those when they're designed, they might look pretty, but I'm are they about as useful as a chocolate teapot for those with sight issues? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think especially when when you're talking about sort of very fancy interfaces and and the the developers tend to not use sort of the the, the stock uh, UI elements and they want to create this spectacular thing that really is essentially a knob um you know that's where it gets to be a problem otherwise i mean uh, you know if you define it if you if you give its uh characteristics or um i i forget the the, the name that's used you know it's it's a uh, uh i'll it won't come to me right now but you know a a a slider you know a knob i mean 
it has a, a value range and it's maybe its default action is to reset to whatever number, you know, so whatever 50% or zero dB or whatever it is. Um, to a blind user, it really does not matter one bit uh, what it looks like or how it appears, as long as we could just get at the values. Yeah, that's um, true. Like, yeah, for the blind user, like a, a, a box gray plugin looks the same as a rainbow colored fancy yes. plugin if you're just talking about controllers and values. Now, it gets a little crazy. I, I see this more on the website. Uh, on a website, is, you know, a website uses ARIA and JavaScript and all these tools so you can you know, drag over a window and the window is like a little transparent, but not really. And it's just, you know, it, so these websites are visually beautiful for yeah. sighted users and they're, they're a freaking nightmare. Um, Especially for low vision people. Yeah. For low, yeah, for low vision or blind people to navigate through unless they're cleverly designed and the developer follows the rules um, for all these, for all these other elements. Um, so, so you've, mm-hmm. let's talk about the future. You've been doing some work, obviously, mainly with Avid and, and the Avid products. Is there any move in the industry towards trying to create an industry standard for accessibility in, I don't mean, I mean, over and above the Apple and the Juice stuff? Is there, are any, any, have any plugin brands or, or software brands ever talked about trying to establish a standard where f- perhaps, for example, they could release their plugin in an accessible format. So it wasn't skewmorphic and it wasn't all sexy, but it just had the values. Has anybody ever thought of doing that where you can kind of go to a, to, to a yeah. things like well, that? A place, a place to start might be, it's not, it's, it wasn't meant for it, but this, the WCAG standards, it's the web content accessibility group has a lot of definition and parameters for software and hardware products. Um, it, it and um, there's a, a portion of that that would be a good place to start. Things like color contrast and space between knobs and proper labeling. So that that is a standard that's uh, that evolves. Because I'm thinking, I've been on beta teams where I've seen wireframes of plugins before they even get all sexed up that would actually be more useful for those with with sight issues mm. because they are yeah, literally sure. what you've just said, Slough. They're just the sliders. Mm. Uh, and yep. they go, and you get the email, you go, take no notice of the graphics. This is just the audio side of it. And you think, well, actually for you guys, it would be perfect. And so my question <laughs> is, would, would it be good if the industry kind of had an accessible version of each plugin? So that when a plugin came out, they'd say, download, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the one for blind um, users. You, you know, I, I think that, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but I, I think what, what blind users specifically, uh, care more about is to be able to use the same plugin that everybody else is using, not a different version of it. And then also now the developer has to remember to, when they update their plugin, that they update the quote unquote accessible version. It's like more work for, for everybody, I think. Yeah. So um, it's a bad idea to have it accessible. You want, you want universal design. You want them, like, like, yeah. the lift, like the lift yeah. analogy, you want them doing it from day one. Yeah. And, and I mean, as far as standards, I, I think that one thing that has happened across platforms 
Um, and I, I, I'm sure that this was not intentional per se, but um, certainly this is how it happened with with Avid. Uh, uh, without getting into a, a you know a, a long story about the history of how it how it came to be that Pro Tools really went from from being not accessible to accessible, um, the area of plugins. Um, you know, that was like one of the questions that came up, like, our, well, you know, we haven't figured out how to make the plugins accessible. And, uh, you know, uh, we kind of left it f hanging for a little bit. And then like a week later, um, you know, the person at, at uh, Avid who was working on this said, oh, I think I, I think I have an idea. And the idea was to gain access to the automatable parameters. And essentially, all of the parameters were automatable. And so suddenly, you could change the Q of an EQ, you could change the frequency, you could change, you know, the whether it's boost or cut, etc. So like that really opened up everything. Well, I shouldn't say everything. It opened up um, most of it. But what remained were the non-automatable parameters like special menus like for example waves has like a, a load menu you don't use the avid plugin menu to get to waves presets you use the waves specific or proprietary menu and a lot of other plugin developers use their own proprietary menus i remember speaking with michael carnes about this um when we were talking about the accessibility of exponential audio uh plugins and you know he was saying well you know i i have my own menu for pre presets because i have thousands of them i i'm not going to save out you know uh extra presets in a, in a purely, let, let's say, AAX format. Uh, people who use my plugins, whether they're using it on Logic or whatever, Reaper or uh, Pro Tools, they're just gaining access through my preset menu. And one thing that he mentioned at the time was like, he was hoping that maybe the industry could come up with just, a, you know, an agreed upon standard where, let's say, all plugins use the same XML um, you know, preset, regardless of whether you're opening that preset on, on Pro Tools or Studio One or whatever. Um, and I think that would be great uh, if we could get to that point, you know, but, it, it, you know, that things like that take time. Um, it takes, you know, a lot of uh, agreeing <laughs> to, you know, certain standards and stuff like that. So I hope we can get to that point. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Uh, we're kind of, we're at, we, this is so it, I could spend hours talking to you guys, but we're we're out of time. But the, the I don't know if you know the, I, do, I don't know whether you listen to podcasts regularly. We have a find of the week. This can be anything from a book, a movie, piece of software, and it's just something that's personal to you that you think, yeah, that week, this week, it could be a, it could be. If I, I know what mine is, and it's actually some food, but uh, just something that it's just a bit of fun part to the show at the end of the show. So I'll go first, and then give you a moment. And if you can think of something, well, I'm going to go for two actually this week. Two things, my find of the weeks. I've come across Adam Grant. He's a psychologist. He's written a few New York Times bestselling books, but he's just a smart guy. And I just keep seeing memes he pops up on LinkedIn and Facebook, and they're just 
he the, one of the first things I came across that he did was he said, if you're in a room and you need feedback, uh, he said, don't just ask for feedback. He said, ask for them to score what you're doing out of 10. Nobody mm. ever gives you a 10, he said. He said, and when they give you an eight or a nine, you say, what do I need to do to get to 10? And I just hmm. thought that was genius when he said that. And I thought that's a great way of getting feedback in a meeting. Uh, and the second thing was I've, uh, Leon, I don't think you got them in America. They're a, they're a group of food shops. They make, they've made this Korean mayonnaise, which is kind of a bit like, I did burger sauce, but like spicy. I'm using it on everything. I'm getting through a jar a week at the moment. It's just amazing. <laughs> so those are my two find of the weeks. Uh, Ed, have you got a find of the week? Um, I, I use, I pour sriracha all over everything. <laughs> sriracha? What's sriracha? Is that a sauce? Um, here's, here's one that comes out of left field. Um, well, so, so I, I listen to podcasts constantly. Uh, that's, that's, that's my travel. That's how I see the world. I listen to, to, um, so, so often, so I, I often find myself recommending podcasts and, and one is called history that doesn't suck. And it's, it's, it's really well done. So it sounds, you'd think it was a joke, but it's, it's a very, um, very uh, well, well-researched podcast on American history. And then believe it or not, I'm listening to um, the, the Bible in a year where that covers oh, the yeah. whole old and new Testament in the course of a year. And I'm not a religious guy. And um, I've done it. Yeah. It's a great, yeah, I've read it. On my birthday, Ed, do you know what the proverb of the day is on my birthday in a Bible in a year? Even a fool can appear wise if he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I thought no. I'll have that. That'll do me. What about you, Slough? Two things come to mind. Um, uh, one would be uh, on the podcast front uh, would be uh, I only now discovered Andrew Shep's uh, Andrew Talks With Awesome People. Uh, I don't know if you know it. It comes out every week and fantastic guests. Um, so I've just been binge listening to it. And these are, these are not for the faint of heart. I mean, these are like three hour, four hour long interviews. And I, I just, I get on the treadmill and I just like uh, one, one episode will last me like a week. Um, but on the, uh, software front, uh, I just, uh, got the, um, George Massenberg, MW, oh, oh, it was MDW, I can't remember the letters, EQ6. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. DesignWorks, yeah, yes. Yeah. The EQ6, wow, what a spectacular plugin. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we listened to that when it first came out as version one, and Dave LeBolt was the general manager of Digidesign. You know, he's he's uh, he's played with Billy Joel, and, you know, he's, he's the real deal, and he's he said, this is the best EQ I've ever heard. And, um, you know, it can only it's, be one of those. And David was the primary golden ear of, of uh, Digidesign. Yeah. Um, but I say, I say, you know, with, with podcasts, I should, I should add, you know, I listen to um, the whole gamut from the most liberal to conservative podcasts, like every day to, to achieve some sort of balance. You know, I have a, a brother who thinks that the only good Democrat is a dead one. And then I'm, <laughs> Married to someone who watches, um, you know, all the whole MS MSNBC range every <laughs> night. So I, I try to mix it up and have a balanced view of things. And um, well, the best, I read, yeah, I read ten times as much as I 
did when I had eyesight. I'm an Audible guy, so I listen to it because I run a lot. So I, I, I use Audible and listen. I read books fast because I, 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 if, if you run 5K, you can get through three chapters yeah. of a book. And Yeah, uh, Russ, I've been very impressed with your the fitness upgrade you did in your <laughs> your perfect Apple Watch uh, fitness record for the year. 575 straight days of yeah, closing all so my rings on I my wrote, watch. I, my reply on that, as you may remember, was I just smashed my Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just I looked at myself and thought things need yeah. to change. Things need to change. If my yeah. daughter, if I want to see my daughter's wedding, I better lose some weight. That was as right. simple as that. It was just well, conveniently, I can't look at myself. Yeah, great. Yeah, that <laughs> I might try that policy next. <laughs> anyway, guys, Slough, thanks for coming for, for coming on the show. It's been fantastic to have you and you as well, Ed. Uh, and thanks a lot. Uh, it's, thanks it's been so a much. real pleasure.